welcome to the Truth Be Told podcast. I am Marta Brummel, and by trade and training, I am a certified life coach with a psychology degree from the University of Notre Dame and a master's in clinical social work from the University of Michigan. I'm the mother of four children. I'm married to Craig Brummel, my favorite human, and I am the CEO of a private life coaching practice for young adults and parents. So the whole idea behind this podcast and these conversations is to learn how to navigate this human journey from the inside out by building a life skill set that allows each one of us to engage with this grand life adventure from a place of health, wellness, and confidence, and to create something beautiful by weaving in meaning and purpose along the way. I'm so glad you're here. Episode number 45, Why We People Please. Hello, dear people, and welcome to a new week, a new topic. We are going to be digging in a little bit more to people-pleasing and our why behind it. There's some good reasons for it, and so I think that it's always a good thing to understand why we do what we do, right? What drives our behavior? Because I think the more we understand our why, the more we have an opportunity to question it if it's not serving us and to choose an alternative and choose differently. So last week we talked about body image and learning how to cultivate a brand that aligns with our authentic self, right? So, and so much of this work is about connecting with self and answering that question, who am I? Which when we're answering that question, who am I? We want to be walking the path of what is most true, ideally. The hardest part though of tapping into our truth is that often our earliest conditioning is often running the show, right? And for many of us, instead of bringing us closer to ourselves, this conditioning often takes us away from ourselves. So instead of living authentically, we're living more based on what we believe we need to be or should be or have to be, which of course perpetuates our people-pleasing tendencies and a a disconnection from self, which when we're disconnected from self only leads to a lack of trust in ourselves. So this habit of people-pleasing, it is a fascinating one, is it not? I think it is, and it runs deep. It's a coping mechanism and a protective mode that we learn to shift into based on our earliest environments. So for instance, when our homes or our surroundings felt unstable or unsafe and or possibly unpredictable, right? This is what we would shift into. It's a way to cope with that instability or that unpredictability. And I always like to think it's good to remember that at our roots as humans, we are amazingly good at survival. And we benefited from very early on at being hypervigilant. And why? Because it kept us alive and in the tribe. And we weren't rejected, right? We were safe. We felt a part of something. And this desire to be part of the tribe and to be safe continues to be a coping mechanism in modern times. 
Because when we become attuned to what is happening around us and how best to stay emotionally and or physically safe, people-pleasing serves as a protective function for us. So there's very good reason that we've used it. I always like to say that so many of our coping mechanisms that we learned from early on, they were brilliant because they kept us in that space and place of feeling safe, but they often don't serve us as adults. Okay, so it's always a good time to lift our heads and notice what those coping mechanisms are and were, and if we want to continue to to live with those and to continue to, to act on those, or if there are some that we can evolve and grow and maybe get to a, a, a different place with and uh, level up a little bit, right? And align more with our capacity to cope a little bit more effectively and from a healthier place. So of course, the maladaptive and unintentional part of people-pleasing is that we begin to dismiss, dismiss our own needs. And in doing so, we hyper-focus on other people's needs, okay? So I was talking to a client this morning about her tendency to people-please. And as we have unpacked how this manifests in her life, which kind of runs across all, you know, all, all things for her, it's a driver in all of her relationships. And it entails this, as she would describe it, a hyper-awareness of movements, noises, someone else's needs, someone else's temperament, and then also walking on eggshells to avoid eruption or disappointment or discontent in someone else, okay? Or, uh, and as I say, disappointment or discontent, it's more of her feeling of that from someone else if, in fact, she might misstep. Okay, and she's seeing this play out in her day to day life. And she has shared that since doing our work together, she's become more aware of this tendency to dismiss her needs uh, and what it is that she might desire. So, even for her, she was describing because last night she went out to eat with a bunch of her friends, and she said that it's just commonplace for her to look around and notice what her friends are ordering before she orders for herself. She said, you know, if I were to think about what I want, I have no idea. What do I need? What do I desire? I don't even know. I just know I'm finally attuned to what everyone else is doing, and then I follow suit. So she, as she was describing, she said, you know, Marta, I really don't even know what my needs are or what my wants are or what I even really like or dislike. And she said, but what's fascinating for her is that she didn't even know she was doing this until we started to kind of shed light on more of what was at play. So of course, she has learned that this coping mechanism early on for her, she's the oldest of four children, she was always focused on everyone else and not just on everyone else, but also on every move and every mood of her parents, her siblings, and thereafter her friends, right? Anyone and everyone with whom she was in relationship. And she is now able to recognize that this created a sense of safety for her in her environment because she was attempting to control the situations and people around her, right? Just to make sure everyone and everything was okay. 
And as we talked about this hypervigilance, I explained to her that it's really a subconscious adaptive coping mechanism that we learn as children. And our little selves, this is what's so, I think, fascinating and amazing and brilliant. Our little selves become so attuned to everyone else and then avoiding eruptions and problems and making sure that other people are okay because we learn that people-pleasing keeps the discomfort, the upset, the instability at bay. So it's just good to know that our earliest conditioning becomes the pathway to our people-pleasing tendencies. Okay? And as I said, I think it's kind of incredible what we can create in terms of coping as children because it seems to be the best way we know how in staying safe at that point in time. But then what's even more brilliant is that as we age and as we get wiser and we have a greater and you know wider toolkit and, and skill set and our brain is capable of more, we don't have to continue doing this as adults or operating from these tendencies because we have the capacity to cope with dealing and being human differently. And I love to say more authentically. So as I've shared, our protection and adaptation is to keep us safe physically and emotionally. And this allows us to fly under the radar and to make sure that those who are responsible for caring for us or those with whom we're in relationship are okay with us. So when stress feels more manageable, we feel safer, right? We want to live in harmony and keep the peace. Who doesn't, right? But not surprisingly, these habits follow us from childhood and we keep them in like, it's a pattern that we develop. And this pattern is of hypervigilance and meeting the needs of others versus our own. And this often manifests as obligations and shoulds and have tos and more of that all or nothing thinking, right? With increased awareness, my friends, we, with consciousness and compassion and intentionality, we can learn how to observe our people-pleasing tendencies and slowly shift the paradigm. Of course, I often say that this is slow and hard work. But it does, it's possible, and it's absolutely doable. And it helps to plant the seeds of building a self, right? Our own self, a separate self, a marvelous self. So some of you might be asking, how do we do this? How do we shift the MO, right, of people-pleasing? And this simple shift requires us to turn inward and literally ask the question, what do I want? What do I need? When we ask this question, you guys, this entails more exploration, right? More curiosity on our part. And for many of us, I'd say it entails a bit of a freak out because when we actually ask this question or someone else asks us and we've never really given it any airtime, we experience this realization that we don't know what we want and what we need. And many of my clients have just kind of described this as staring blankly 
and it's like a blank slate. They have no idea. And of course, this can be very uncomfortable and a bit disorienting. So it's a great question because when we ask this, we start to notice. If we don't know, we start to notice our patterns, our habits of where we are passing off of you know ourselves to others, our people-pleasing tendencies. And then we can gently ask ourselves, why are we so able to know what everyone else wants and needs and have no idea what we authentically want or need? And not just knowing, but then honoring it, right? As one of my young adult clients is learning, when we have always been filtering the world through someone else, we aren't attuned to our own inner knowing, our own inner desires, our own inner compass, okay? Our own intuition. And as you can imagine, when we come face to face with this not knowing, it can be a bit discombobulating, okay? So in order to learn what it is we need, we have to start cultivating the practice of noticing and reflecting and witnessing, observing self. So many of my clients tell me that they don't trust themselves, right? That they can't hear that inner voice. They don't even know if they have an inner voice. And I always remind them, that's okay. Nothing has gone wrong, but stay with this practice. It takes time. And it's not natural for those of us who've always been anticipating and focusing on others, right? So start small, one step at a time, okay? So this might sound like not a big deal for some of you, but for many of you, this is a big and important next step. It's a practice of building self-awareness. Compassion and curiosity are definitely necessary when we're in this process, okay? We want to see from where our beliefs are coming. Where and why are we dismissing our thoughts and beliefs, okay? Why are we always looking outside of ourselves for answers, for directions, okay? Remember, as I said, it's our literal self within trying to stay safe letting others prevail because why it just feels safer. But as we learn, this habit only perpetuates a lack of self-trust and in order to build self-trust, which is so essential for living authentically and having our own backs, it asks us to start listening to our own voice. So think about earlier situations in your lives. Okay, where have you questioned yourself and didn't listen and instead look to others? Where have you questioned something but didn't follow your own intuition? Where you've believed that they must know and you have no idea, right? Where you think, of course they know and I don't. And a few examples of this I've heard from my clients, there are so many, but one that comes to mind is choosing a college fit. So maybe it's the parents that really believe this is a good fit for their child, but the child is not so sure and might in fact know deep down this is not their fit, but they don't trust themselves enough to say, you know what? I don't think this is it. Okay. Or it could be taking a job or staying in a job out of fear and prestige. 
instead of choosing a job or seeking a job that feels more true, right? Or staying in a relationship because you don't believe that you deserve better, okay? Or that this is just the best you're going to get. These are examples of not trusting our guts, not trusting ourselves, not believing in ourselves, right? And also keeping the peace, staying safe, and following a path that others might have set out for us and not really paving our own, okay? This is how we create a disconnect from our not knowing and our own knowing. And we can get so far away from ourselves when we do this. So as I have said, it's a practice to develop this muscle, right? This muscle of inner knowing. And for today, I'm going to share a few daily practices, three of them in fact, that help in cultivating more self-trust and more inner knowing and less people-pleasing tendencies. So number one would be pause before you habitually react to anything. So for instance, for one of my clients, she is now pausing and taking a breath before dialing her mom when she's feeling anxious and instead maybe choosing otherwise. Okay. That's just an example for her. Okay. Number two, set an alarm every hour, every three hours. It doesn't really matter or three times a day, but set an alarm on your phone labeled self check-in and spend the next minute fully present for whatever you're doing. So feeling the breeze on your skin as you walk across the quad or pay attention to the colors in the evening sky as you look out from your dorm room, right? Or focus on how the earth supports your body as you are in conversation with your partner and notice your feeling state, notice your feet, right? Sink into your body. What are you feeling? What sensations are manifesting in your body? Describe them, name them. This gives us good information with which to work because when we know what we're feeling and we're willing to feel all our feelings and be the watcher of them, they move through without obstruction, right? We impede the flow of our feelings when we resist, when we shut down, when we pass off and or when we numb out. So get more practiced at being present, being true and grounding yourself in the moment. Okay. We become less reactive and more responsive. We operate more from truth and less from fear. And we operate less from automatic pilot and more from conscious awareness. And this is where change can take root. Okay. And then a final daily practice that you guys can implement that helps in bringing to light our patterns is doing a simple if it's a five or 10 minute thought download in the morning and at night. And this helps us get out of our heads and lessen the internal load and shed some light and perspective on what otherwise might be just running our MO, right? And that could include our people pleasing tendencies. So what do we want to keep believing and thinking because it serves us? And what do we want to re-examine and possibly kick to the curb? Okay. As we become conscious, and notice our outsourcing, we can make new choices. We can implement new patterns. And this, my friends, is the magic 
of having the power of neuroplasticity, right? In those marvelous brains of ours, it allows us to keep growing and evolving and changing, right? And learning where and when necessary to elevate ourselves to that next level. What's possible? Shifting from one pattern to another, right? A cool part of this awareness is that we no longer have to place obligations on self or believe that our thoughts or our feelings don't matter without choosing to do this, right? Notice when this is happening. So I would love for each one of you to think about when you commit to a plan or a way of being and it no longer works, are you willing and able to shift gears, right? Are your habits and patterns always set in stone? Or can you notice that things have shifted and therefore some habits and patterns might need some revising as well, right? Nothing is set in stone. We, we can shift, you guys. We can change, but we have to, in order to change and shift, we have to create awareness. We've got to get out of automatic pilot and create that consciousness, right? In order to even question and examine and notice, if something's at play. And then, of course, the work is in then shifting and doing it and maybe approaching it a little differently. So a great example of this is in questioning our obligations. It's a simple shift, okay? And this might mean that, and this is true for many of my clients, this simple shift might mean saying maybe instead of yes to an invitation. And for those of you who are always saying yes, this is a big shift, okay? And then the next step could be, we could say no after we've said yes to something. Maybe it sounded good on Monday, but it isn't gonna work on Friday. So instead of continuing to say yes, we say, you know what? On Monday, this sounded good and it seemed like it was gonna work out beautifully. Today, Friday, I know something new and different and something that is true for me today and it's not gonna work out. Okay, this again might not sound like a big deal for some of you listening, but for many of you, it's a big deal. And it's a good example of implementing this practice of self-check-in, right? Taking a pause, checking in, creating space for self to show up and decide, is it a yes, a maybe, a no, right? And know that sometimes this is going to upset other people. It might upset the balance a little bit. And it's okay. Because what you're doing is you're shifting from holding yourself hostage and being willing to disappoint yourself, right? In order not to disappoint others. And not it's really not honoring yourself. And instead shifting from holding self hostage and always surrendering and bowing down to others and being willing to shift to being true to self and possibly disappointing others and never ever disappointing self again. Imagine our world if we could operate from that place, right? This shift does not mean that we're not being thoughtful of others or being kind to others, right? In fact, what it means is that we're being true, we're being honest, we're being real, we're being authentic. 
And when we learn to honor ourselves every time over, that, my friends, both benefits us, as you can imagine, significantly, but it also benefits our relationships. It helps them be more true, more real, and they come from love and not lies, not being true. So the simple conscious check-in through our day is creating that space to become aware and to decide. Allow the pause. Less reaction, more responding. Because this creates more connection with self and less willingness to people please. So the default has always been to others and now you get to shift to default being you. Shift to you every time over because what this does is this gives us self-responsibility, self-accountability, and it brings us back to us. Less people-pleasing, more living in our truth. People-pleasing is what many of us have known, and it began as a protection, as a safety, as our familiar, but it doesn't have to continue because we now know we can develop a consciousness around this identify and create space that allows the pause, right? And then practice the action points, holding yourself accountable. Sit in the discomfort of the unfamiliar and the new of being true and asking that question, who am I? What do I need? What do I need and desire in this moment? And pull back on your conditioning just enough to create new and healthier ways of being. And this will entail creating and strengthening connection to self. It is a commitment to showing up as our authentic self, my friends. And in my book, there is no greater work and no greater gift, both to self and to the greater whole. So let's get to work, okay? I'm building a self. Step into you, get to know you, and be you very well. All right, I'll see you guys here next week. Until then, lots of love. Take care. Having a life coach can sweeten the often messy and hard and awesome journey of being human. Do you have a life coach? And if not, I would be so privileged to be your coach. I have a private coaching practice for individuals and families where we work on getting to the heart of your struggles and paving a path forward that helps you create a life that you truly love. When you're prepared to take what you're learning on this podcast and implement the tools and techniques so that you experience profound and lasting results, then contact me at martabrummel.com and we can hit the ground running. I truly cannot wait to work with you.